From 8th Street to 8 Mile Road, from I-5 to Highway 99, Podcast Stockton. Stockton. I love this town. Most miserable city? I don't think so. The show all about the great life in Stockton, California. This is Podcast Stockton. Welcome to Podcast Stockton for Friday, August 27th, 2010. I'm Chris Kotziglou. And I'm Matt Beckwith. Welcome back to all of our returning listeners. If this is your first time listening to Podcast Stockton, thanks for checking out the show. On this episode, we're going to discuss Stockton's Biggest Loser, recap Lincoln Center Live and Miracle Mile Night Out, and Matt has his interview with Chris Freeman, Stockton Librarian. So uh, welcome back to Podcast Stockton, episode 51, and uh, as you can already tell, um, filling in as special co-host or filling co-host today is Chris Kotziglou, um, a.k.a. Chris the Greek. Uh, Chris, <laughs> thanks for coming on the show, not as an interview guest, but as a fill-in co-host. Well, I was really excited when you uh, when you hit me up and said, hey, would you mind being on the show or would you would you take the time? I was, I was jumping for joy. I was pretty excited. I really love what you've been doing. And 51 episodes. Holy cow. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And you, and you're on one of those. So of course we, we have interviewed you here on the show and you're a, a, a broadcaster in, in your own right. So here's another one of those times where I am a little nervous, you know, I'm doing my hack thing and there's a, a real live you know, broadcast. I mean, it's actually broadcasted and been paid for it here. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't get too nervous. Trust me. Uh, some of my first broadcasting gigs were absolute unmitigated disasters. I was. <laughs> I was really embarrassed. Oh, Hate to go back and think about some of those. So well, <laughs> you do a great job. And fifty one of these, I'm the rookie. Ah, uh, whatever. Ho- hopefully, you have some of those old ones recorded. Maybe someday, you'll, <laughs> when you get famous, you'll throw them back out. Well, I always told myself that when I get famous, I really want to make sure that I'm going to help younger younger kids go back and help anybody that wants to get into broadcasting and with whatever I can, if if that ends up being in the cards. Nice, nice. So, um, uh, so let let you know. Let's start off with just you know catching up, catching folks up to uh, you know to what Chris has been doing. You're um you're staying busy at UOP, right? That I am. I actually. It's very fortuitous, and this is where volunteer work happens to really pay off. You know, obviously, I wanted to get into broadcasting, so I went and sought out people in the Pacific Athletic Department to do some broadcasting for the student radio station. They really liked the job that I did, so they offered me a spot to broadcast some of our Pacific baseball games. Well, they really loved the job that I did broadcasting Pacific baseball, so they offered me a graduate assistant position. So basically, I work in the grad department the athletic department and get to go to grad school at the same time. So it ended up being very fortuitous for me. Yeah, that, that, that is awesome. And, and uh, you mentioned volunteer work and I, I was instantly transported back to the first time we actually met face to face. And I had talked to uh, quite a few people. They're like, you have to meet this Chris guy. And uh, Emily Bain said, you got to meet this Chris guy. And then I went down to downtown Stockton to do the pie judging con- contest. And she said, have you met Chris yet? And I'm like, no, He's that guy over there. And um, so I, I remember that, that, you know, you were giving your time to help out the uh, Downtown Stockton Alliance as well. So uh, 
I will I will bend over backwards for that organization. I love I love everybody involved with that. Jen, Emily, Mimi, everybody that's down there. Nick, I I know I'm forgetting people, but I love everybody at that organization. I really think that what they're doing is what Stockton needs, and it's proven to be successful. The nightlife that they put on with the pub crawls and the events that they put on. It's Oktoberfest coming up October 9th. Yes, that was a cheap plug. Um, hey, that's what the show's about, man. <laughs> <laughs> Where yours truly is going to be emceeing again, so I'm pretty excited about that. But it's it's a great organization with great people, so you know I'm always willing to help out and anything I can do. I still haven't touched pumpkin pie, by the way, since that day. <laughs> ne- neither have I. <laughs> and uh, and talk, uh, speaking about emceeing, I uh, did a fantastic job emceeing the, uh, the Taste of San Joaquin uh, Way Out West barbecue competition. Um, awesome job up there. That was a, a very long day for you, but uh, looks like you were having fun. I was having an absolute blast. I was really excited to get up there and get a chance to go talk with everybody. The uh, one thing I will tell you I was worried about is this is my first time not emceeing, but as a stage manager, and I was really worried about dealing with the bands. I was wondering, are these guys going to be walking up? They've been playing for a while. They're truly believing in their own abilities and going to think of me as the lowly peon, but everybody was great. All three bands that we had really rocked it. We really had a great time, and it was a lot of fun to work with them. They put on a great show. Everybody was pretty fired up. Yeah, well, uh, a big uh, public thank you um, <laughs> to getting, uh, you know, to helping me realized one of my dreams by doing podcast Stockton live. Uh, that was an absolute blast. And, uh, you know, I was thrilled that, um, you know, that you and Emily, um, you know, allowed us to do that and, uh, you know, went off without a hitch and was a lot of fun. So thank you very much for that. Oh, no problem. You know, you guys got a really big pop and you guys had a really big crowd and I, <laughs> you guys knew a lot of people. They were excited. So yeah, it was, it was cool. great to have you guys go up there and do that. And uh, so then the other thing that's, I guess, you know, we, we have to talk about since you're on the show right now is um, you're, you've been part of the Stockton's Biggest Loser. So, so tell me about that. Well, I, I haven't been reading the record, which is kind of funny. Something we were talking about uh, pre, <laughs> pre-show. Uh, I haven't been reading the record much, but Kristen reads it every day. And she forwarded me this article about Stockton's Biggest Loser. And what it was is Bikram Yoga on the Miracle Mile and Pure Form PFT were getting together to put on this competition called Stockton's Biggest Loser. And what their goal was, was originally to select five men and five women and do a 12-week competition, but more of an emphasis on creating a lifestyle change, putting a diet plan in place, giving um, counseling when needed, but basically offering a structured workout program. They wanted people who were at least 100 pounds overweight and wanted to basically give them a new chance at at starting their life over, getting on the right track. It's very easy to fall into bad eating habits, not working out. Believe me, I know because I've been there. Uh, So it was nice to have that structure and have them put that together. I wrote a letter for them, filled out the form, and I didn't didn't quite realize until I started feeling filling out the letter, how much my weight really had bothered me until I started started putting mm-hmm. pen to paper and talking about it. So it's been a great experience for me so far. Great. So uh, are you willing to share numbers on the show? Absolutely. I'm I'm very proud of this. I was I was very embarrassed when I first topped on the scale because I didn't quite realize that I had gotten as large as I had. I started off at 313, 313 and a half. Was what my starting weight was, and I was embarrassed. I'd always hovered around some weight, and I'd had I'd had some issues, but I think more I had made some excuses for myself to just go ahead and let those issues affect my weight. So once I got into this, I said, "I'm going to do this. There's going to be no slacking on this. I'm going to go all out. I'm going to stick to the diet plan 100. percent 
I'm going to cut out the fast food, going to cut out the sodas, going to stop drinking, going to just throw myself 110% into this. And today, I weigh 275 pounds. So it's 38 and a half pounds over seven weeks. That is awesome, man. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. I, Congratulations. You know, what's really funny is these shorts that I'm wearing right now, when I started the competition, I couldn't wear them. And right now I've blasted through where they don't fit. Oh. My belt being on the tightest loop, they won't stay up. So I've completely blasted through this, uh, this pair of shorts I'm rocking. Hey, they never, they never said that, you know, if you're going to lose, if you're going to lose weight, it, it, it's not cheap. You, got, you have to buy new clothes. <laughs> it's a good problem to have. Well, I'm very happy that I spent a whole weekend cleaning out my garage and I found all these old clothes and I was just planning on throwing them in the back of the car and taking them to Goodwill. But Kristen was saying, you know, you can actually probably fit into these now. And I'm glad that I listened to her advice because I had some <laughs> nice stuff that I had just eaten myself out of. So I was glad to nice. uh, glad to actually think about that and stop myself and actually have a nice new wardrobe <laughs> that very I can nice. rewear again. Very nice. Well, I know when I saw you uh, last weekend, I hadn't seen you. Uh, I know I hadn't seen you since at least when you started it, mm-hmm. um, and I was shocked. I'm like, wow! I think I asked you, "Where's the rest of you?" So, uh, <laughs> so it's it's good, you know, that um, you know you're seeing results in that. So, um, what what happens at the end of this? Is there a big way off, and they they're going to report it, on how much they lost? It the competition went from July 5th to goes from July 5th to September 26th, and there's a $500 prize at the end, and we don't know the specifics of it yet, but we know that there's a prize for it at the end. So everybody's, everybody's working hard towards it. Um, the real hard thing right now is keeping people motivated on it. I know I was one of those that fell into a group cause I was at the same weight for three straight weeks and I was very disappointed with how my weight loss was going. But there's a lot of people that there's a prize involved, but it's kind of secondary for them. They're really more excited about the fact that they can change their life. And everybody that's doing it and is stuck with it is really, they're looking great. Everybody's feeling better. I know me personally, I used to have chronic back pain. That's gone away. I stopped snoring at night. Clothes fit again. I can sit in a booth in a restaurant and not be embarrassed. So there's a lot of good benefits. And everybody's got similar stories like that where leg pain is going away, uh, knee pain is going away, back pain, and things like that. So it's been it's been a bigger thing where it's... We may not see the number on the scale, but we're seeing we're seeing it in our clothes and our lifestyle and how how basically we are out in public now. And I think that's that's more the bigger prize that everybody's enjoying right now. Yeah, great. Well, that is like I said, you you know, especially and you see yourself every day. Kristen sees you every day, but it was nice. You know, I'm sure you get, I'm sure you run into people all the time that haven't seen you in a few weeks or a couple months, and I'm sure they must. Say, they must make comments, so that 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 must help to know that you're definitely going in the right direction. It it helps a lot, and I feel I feel really grateful that Helena at Bikram Yoga and Carl at Pure Form. It's a high intensity interval training, but both those two getting together, they've been lifelong friends. But both of them getting together to offer this for all of us to be able to participate and give us a chance to make some changes has really been huge and you know they're obviously they're donating their time and their facilities and their instructors times with Helena over at yoga so it's uh I'm definitely very thankful and I know everybody is that we've had this opportunity and I'm glad we're taking advantage of it great well again congratulations and uh, we'll certainly check back in with you at the end of the competition to uh See the final numbers. Well, you know there is there is the competition aspect. I know I'm in second place right now. I trail mm. I trailed the guy in first place by 15 pounds. So we'll see how we'll see how the last five weeks goes. I'm <laughs> I'm feeling pretty good though. All right. 
Time for a sports update with Lowell Tuckerman. With Lowell Tuckerman. With Lowell Tuckerman. Lowell Tuckerman here with your podcast Stockton Sports Update. This week I'm coming to you from the Centennial Square Studios in San Francisco. The Port's 14-game winning streak was snapped on Saturday with a 7-1 loss at San Jose, but they're still four games ahead of division-leading Bakersfield. It's been a tale of two seasons for the Ports in the first half. Really didn't have much going, but in the second half, as I said, four games ahead of Bakersfield right now. So they are well on their way if they keep this up to make the playoffs in the California League. He did it! He did it! Dallas Braden has thrown a perfect game! Maybe I can give Kate Hudson a call. Dallas Braden update! Dallas Braden's rematch against the Tampa Bay Rays didn't go as well as the first time around when he had his perfect game. He lasted six innings in the A's 3-2 loss to Tampa Bay, but Dallas will make his next start on this 10-game road trip for the Oakland A's, so check your A's schedule and tune in to Dallas's next start on the road. Only a month and a half away from the Stockton Thunder beginning their regular season action. For tickets, you can go to StocktonThunder.com. Right now, they're having some great sales on tickets, great prices. Just to throw out a couple, $80 for six games for a family, so not a bad deal, among other ticket options. So you can check it out on StocktonThunder.com, or you can call their ticket office. Fall is coming up. That means high school football in Stockton will be back to the forefront. So we'll be giving you scores throughout the high school football season. We know how much you Stocktonians love Lincoln, St. Mary's, Edison, just to name a few. Even we'll throw in Stag. So we'll have plenty of high school scores for you as the season rolls on. And that is coming up in the near future. That is your podcast, Stockton Sports Update. I'm Will Tuckerman here in the Centennial Square Studios. Now let's send it back to the Outback Studio. Welcome back to Podcast Stockton. Chris Kotziglou, guest hosting with Matt Beckwith. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. You know, I always hear some people sometimes complain about, oh my gosh, there's nothing to do in Stockton. Well, last weekend definitely wasn't the case as we ran into each other back-to-back nights. Lincoln Center Live had a car show, closed everything down, was absolutely awesome. And then the Miracle Mile Night out, or Miracle Mile Night out, uh, was Saturday night. So it was a great weekend of events in Stockton. Yeah, definitely. And and um, the uh, Lincoln Center Live, um, I went to, I've gone to a few of those, but this, this one in particular, so the one right before Miracle Mile Night, this one was a lot a lot busier than last year. There was a lot more going on, a lot more cars, a lot more action. Um, had you been out to that one before in years past? I hadn't. I heard, talking to my neighbors, because I live over in the Lincoln area now, talking to my neighbors, they always said that this August one is the biggest one. It's the one with the cars, and there's always generally a lot of people at it. So we were glad that we were able to uh, to walk out, walk over there. I mean, traffic basically was backed up almost in front of my house anyways to get there. But it was great to see so many people out and about and having a great time. Yeah, one of the things I like about that is, I mean, you stop and you think, you know, you know where are you going tonight? Oh, well, I'm going to go hang out at the shopping center. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, <laughs> just the, the, the concept of that. But in actuality, I mean, they had a great car show on the, um, on the south side. Um, which I think last year they had cars on both sides, but it was nice that all the cars contained. They had um, uh, music on that side too. 
and they had um, some music over at Village Barber, which is where um, you and I hooked up, mm-hmm. and uh, which is where I go to get my hair cut. And they were doing a fundraiser, um, selling raffle tickets for Pack with Pride. Um, and they had the uh, the guys out from Smoke and Yankees Barbecue, of course, uh, friends of uh, friends of the show here at Podcast Stockton, and they were cooking and selling food. And man, there was tons of people out there getting barbecue. And I I, uh, I did talk to Chris, and he said they've been they've been they've been going strong since the moment they got out there and selling selling um, barbecue left and right, all all for charity. They weren't keeping this money; they were donating it back to uh, Pack with Pride. But it was good times. I think it's a it's a great event. I like how they do it, but. You know, one of my things about Lincoln Center is that if you're going, if you're working a typical workday schedule, 90% of those businesses are going to be closed by the time that you get off work and are able to check them out. So that was actually nice to be able to stroll around and see some of those things because they've got great shops. Just sometimes hours aren't necessarily conducive to getting in there and checking them out. So it was great to get in there and see some of that as well. Yeah, you're right. I mean, there's. I always think of that clock store uh, over on the back side. I always forget the name of it, but the in the back of um, the north side of Lincoln Center. Uh, love that clock store. And I tell you, the only time I've ever been in there is on Lincoln Center on live nights mm-hmm. because they're closed. You're right. Like they close at six. Yeah. <laughs> I'm working. But uh, yeah, so if it's not enough to have, you know, live music, car show, great food, People that you haven't seen in a long time. Because every time I go to something like this, I see I see people I haven't seen in years. Um, so if one night wasn't enough, then Saturday night um, was uh, the second annual Miracle Mile Night. So put on by uh, by Greg Barr, another friend of the show. And uh, did you go to that last year? I didn't. I had heard about it, and I'd heard lots of good things about it. So I was anxious when I heard that it was going back to back nights with these uh, with these car shows and these events in Stockton to get out there and check it out. Yeah, so there was something like 60 cars at the Miracle Mile night, and I expected to see a lot of the same ones from Friday, but there were, there was a lot that I, you know, most of the ones that I saw on Friday weren't out there on Saturday, but they uh, had extended it by a couple of blocks. They added two more music stages, so there was the stage all the way at the end um, down by uh, Central, and then there was a stage in the middle, a tuxedo, and a small stage um, off on one of the other side streets. Um, Adams maybe, or I think it was before Adams rather, but, um, with great music. I mean, they had music at three ends of this thing and shows and food and, uh, and same point, they had some of these businesses that were open again. Well, I loved, I loved being able to walk around and, and check all that out. Um, uh, the one thing I really think, especially the Miracle Mile can do, and I really wish that this is something that they look into is just making the whole thing open container. You know, close yes. it off like they do with the with the asparagus festival. Check people in with wristbands and just let them open container to walk around and stroll around. Because I noticed I was there for quite a while and the beer gardens were pretty light. Now the bars were packed, but the beer gardens were pretty light as far as things go. But the cars were excellent and uh, you know they had some good music that was going on as well. Um, I just man, it wouldn't. And I'm not drinking right now, so I really am not able to weigh in on this accurately. But right. they really should just go ahead and open container it. I think that I think that if they were able to do that, or at least able to do it to where they could still make a profit, then yeah. it'd be beneficial and people would really like it. I, I agree. And in fact, I didn't go into the beer garden this time uh, just because it seems like you're you know you're behind the fence. You know, you you, you don't get to venture out. You know where everybody else is. But yeah, I, that that is one uh, that that is one downfall. But you know, baby steps. I'm glad we're seeing more events like this and this size um, on the Miracle Mile. And the Miracle Mile, you know, with new restaurants opening down there, 
Um, it, it's re-energized, although I don't think it ever went away. But it's it's definitely a new a new energy. It was absolutely huge. I was I was kind of blown away by the sheer volume of people. I was blown away by the volume of people that were out at Lincoln Center, but especially out on the mile. Like I said, it was all the bars that I saw were just absolutely packed. Had people that were flowing out of them, and I think it's a good exposure too. Av is a new place. It's relatively new. Um, the Midtown Creperie is relatively new. Um, is it Kobu is the new Korean place where Taste of Brittany used to be? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Seoul Sundebu. Yes, I, I yeah. know I'm probably messing up that name I, horribly. It came out of nowhere, but we we've reviewed it on the show. Seoul Sundebu, mm-hmm. I think, is the name. Um, but it gives them good exposure to have to have that many people out there, and it's nice to be able to close that down and just walk up and down the street. Yeah, in fact, you know what? That brings up a good point because I was when I was leaving at the end of the night, I walked by a chicken wing place. That's four or five doors down from um, Midtown, a couple doors down from the Ave. I never, I've never seen it before. There were two women sitting out front, and I struck up a conversation. One of them was the, was the owner, and I asked how long they had been open. She said two years. I was a little embarrassed. I never knew they existed. Um, so, it, you know, it, it, it's, you're right. It exposes us to, to businesses that we might not have seen down there, and and. You know, the, the other thing we have to talk about if we're going to talk about Miracle Mile Night was the um, the pinup girl <laughs> contest. That, that was another um, um, successful event um, sponsored by the um, Port City Marketing Solutions guys, also been on this show as well. Um, but then the surprise guest that they brought on stage. Did you Were you out there when uh, they brought, was brought this, him out? Was this before or after? Because the timing kind of got messed up as far as the scheduling went because i know they were supposed to have the pinup contest at eight and the band was just going on at eight so i got there about halfway through the uh halfway through the pinup contest so so right i i think and nobody's confirmed this but i think the reason that they might have started late was because they brought on a special guest and i, I was dumbfounded because uh jason roth um, from port city marketing solutions said yeah we're starting a little bit late we're starting at eight thirty, but we have a special guest and they brought Dallas Braden on stage. That, for one, the A's played on Saturday. He, <laughs> Dallas didn't start, but he he has to be there even though he's not starting. And he drove all the way back home to Stockton to, at eight thirty to be able to kick off the um, the, uh, the the pinup girl thing. And they played that song, that new uh, Stockton anthem song that Port City <laughs> helped produce. I think they played it a few times, mm-hmm. but uh, it was it was amazing to see. Um, Dallas Braden like came out of nowhere, just snuck up on the side stage with Jason and said hello to the audience and kicked off the the pinup. That was kind of crazy, Mister. We don't do a lot of talking in the two hundred nine. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. <laughs> you know, he is if there is as close to a role model in Stockton or a guy who is just almost on a deity level, it is Dallas Braden. I went out to uh, the Ports game when he had his rehab start. Oh yeah, and boy, it was jam packed. They sold that game out. Up. They yep. sold, and they hadn't sold out in a while. So uh, yeah, he is definitely uh, definitely a, um, a hometown hero. Well, I'm kind of bummed that I missed him out there. Then that's that's kind of a bummer. But I, I had my camera up. I was you know pointing at the stage. I had no idea. I would have shot video. I mean, I'd, I'd loved it at least because I told a few people and they're like, "That wasn't really Dallas." I'm like, "That was Dallas Braden." Trust me, that was Dallas yeah. Braden. <laughs> so um, yeah, once again, two great events. You know, back to back nights, and um, I'm not sure if Lincoln Center Live's going on anymore, but. Uh, Certainly on the um, Miracle um, Miracle Mile night, you know, Greg has said he'll definitely be back next year. And I love seeing those events on the mile. I I like the mile 
a lot. Love those events. Love Lincoln Center too. I'm kind of I'm a little disappointed in Santi's not being there anymore, as that was one of my favorite places to go. So I'm a little, a little sad to see them go, and I wish them all the best. Santiago's. Santiago's. They're gone. It's gone. As of when? Uh, a couple weeks ago. I didn't know that. Finally closed up shop. Ah, uh, did not know that. That's too bad. Yeah, I yeah, like them as well. It was great. And family-run business in Stockton and everything. So I wish them the best. You know, kind of sad to see them go. But at the same time, I'm also glad to see that a new restaurant has opened over there, Domo, and that the Miracle Mile has, you know, lost a couple of businesses in Taste of Brittany, but filled those spots pr- rather yeah. quickly and brought in new restaurants and uh, and bars as well. Yeah, so lots lots of good places. And, of course, uh, you know, speaking a uh, um, little bit of a left turn about restaurants, but Sass Bar and Grill scheduled tentatively to um, grand open September the 10th, um, taking the place of Paragary's, um, which uh, I ate out a few times. Food was good. Service was not. So uh, I'm looking forward to um, the, the new energy that uh, Sass Bar and Grill. And uh, with any luck, hopefully... I'll be included in their um, their giving away, um, uh, inviting people to the to the grand opening. Hopefully, I can get to the grand opening because um, I'm really excited about that place as well. I am too. I'm looking forward to. I think, I think from a from a PR perspective, Randy Paragary did absolutely everything. Wrong. Like he did, he read from the "Do Not Ever Do" handbook <laughs> and did exactly every single one of those things. I mean, he couldn't he couldn't have pissed off the people he was trying to serve more. And then he, as soon as he had taken it to that level where people couldn't rage anymore, he decided to just go ahead and twist a little <laughs> bit more. So, you know, I, which is unfortunate because, you know, there are some good people that got swept up in it. So yeah. I don't, you know, the food and the service was always great. I could never complain when I went in there. It was just the taste of, you know, a little, a little bit from the top had just gone ahead and shoved yeah. everybody aside. And that was unfortunate. Yeah. So uh, once again, we have just completely dispelled the myth that there is nothing to do in Stockton. <laughs> I think we put that to rest. Yep. Somebody please pinch me because I believe that I'm dreaming. Oh, but I'm not. It's the real deal. It's time for me, your friend, John Remington, to bring you the ads of the week. This week on ClosetGoodies.com, check out all the awesome t-shirts by an up-and-coming company, The Beaters. Check out all the great music downloads that we have to offer right here on ClosetGoodies.com. Find all these great ads and many more on ClosetGoodies.com where it never costs you anything to post and search ads. Thank you for using our website and thank you for listening to Podcast Stockton. Hey, I am joined today in the Chavez Library by Chris Freeman, the Stockton and San Joaquin County Public Library librarian. Um, Chris, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you very much, Matt. I'm very happy to be here and to talk about the library. Uh, so first and foremost, um, how long have you been a librarian? Uh, well, in the truest sense, I've been a librarian for about six years. And what I mean by that is uh, when you walk into a library as a customer, everybody you see behind the desk, is you tend to think of them as a librarian. But a, a professional librarian is somebody that has a master's degree in library science. And I earned mine uh, six years ago. Okay, so you've uh, only recently been in uh, Stockton, San Joaquin County libraries. Where, did, where were you at before here? My first job as a librarian was at the University Library for the Armstrong Atlantic State University in Savannah, Georgia. And after that, I came out to California, where I'm originally from, and I worked as a branch manager in the Patterson branch of the Stanislaus County Public Library. Then I moved on up north to Sacramento Public Library, where I was 
what you could call a regional manager. And then five months ago, I had the opportunity to come down here, and I've been here since then. Great. So what made you decide to become a librarian? Well, it wasn't uh, a lifelong dream, and it wasn't kind of a, an epiphany kind of a thing. It's, it's, it's actually a, a much more prosaic kind of a story. Uh, after I earned my bachelor's degree in Spanish, um, I realized that that's not the most useful degree in the world. Uh, there's not a lot you can do with Spanish other than teach high school, and that's not what I wanted to do. So as I was wrapping up that, that degree, I was looking for something different, and um, I by chance, ran into a, a, an army recruiter uh, at the coffee shop where I worked, and he convinced me that that's what I had to do next for a change of pace. So I actually joined the army and, and became a tank gunner. Where, <laughs> yeah, I was a tank gunner, and I got a, you know I visited Bosnia and I visited Iraq and, and lived in Georgia for four years. Uh, I thought you know perhaps this was going to be something that I that I wanted to make a career out of before I got to basic training. Shortly after basic training, I realized that I probably wasn't going to want to spend 20 years in the military. Uh, so I started looking around for what, what kind of graduate school I could get into with a bachelor's degree in Spanish. And uh, one, of the few, one of the few graduate programs that, you know, you don't necessarily need a very specific uh, educational uh, undergraduate study, program of study in is library science. And when I came across that, that's kind of when a light bulb lit for me because uh, I've always been a huge lover of libraries, a huge user of libraries ever since I was a very young child. And um, once the concept was in front of me as, a, as an opportunity, I kind of said to myself, why hadn't I thought of this before? It, it seemed like the perfect fit. But it was just something that I, I came through uh, very uh, serendipitously. It was something that was really by accident, but it's turned out to be a, a perfect fit for me, and, and I've been loving it ever since. Well, and how are you adjusting to the um, to the uh, Stockton San Juan King libraries in comparison to the other libraries you were at? Well, um, they're all pretty much the same in terms of public libraries. Academic libraries, which is where I started, are a little bit different. Your your customer base is uh, a lot more limited. You deal 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 excuse me pretty much with uh, students and with faculty. And one of the reasons I wanted to make a switch over to public libraries was because I I wanted the, the greater interaction with the variety of people. You deal with people who are one years old, two years old, all the way up to people who are you know, 90 years old and older and who come to the library by choice as, com as opposed to the students who always just showed up because they had to write a paper or something like that. So you get people here of all backgrounds, of all ages, and for all sorts of reasons coming to the library. So it's a, an exciting place to be. The three public libraries that I've worked at aren't all necessarily different from one another. One aspect of that might be the fact that all three of them are central library, or excuse me, central valley libraries, Stanislaus County, San Joaquin County, and Sacramento County. But I think libraries in general across the country attract people who are interested in lifelong learning, who are interested in teaching themselves about a variety of things, people who are just naturally inquisitive, and that's a great group of people to surround yourself with. Yeah, great. So what is the current state of our public libraries in Stockton and San Joaquin County? Well, uh, just like any other public library that I can imagine that you would talk to, uh, one of the, the common themes right now is that we all face some degree of, of fiscal challenge. Some libraries are a little bit better off than others, but, you know, um, 
that's just a cyclical thing. If you spend enough time in local government, whatever the department you work in, there's going to be uh, periods where there's a lot of revenue and periods where there's not as much revenue. So that's that you know that's the current state, and that kind of affects some of the things that we're doing right now. But for me, the concept isn't necessarily um, what are our challenges, but more importantly, how are we addressing the expressed needs of the community? What are we doing to provide the community what they want from a library? And and fiscal challenges make it a little bit more challenging to do that sometimes, but that's really the question, you know, do we have enough money or do we not have enough money or do we have enough staff or do we not have enough staff? That kind of thing is going to come and come and go, but what we really need to focus on is are we doing the best that we can with what we have to provide the services that are uh, desired by the community and that's the kind of thing that isn't cyclical you know those those expressed needs of the community those expressed desires of the community change over time and we have to continue to be aware of, of what's going on around us in the community that we serve so we can adapt and continue to be relevant and that's what we're trying to do right now right so the 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 state of the public library system is um, is is what it is because of our fiscal crisis but has that fiscal crisis also um, created a different need? You're talking about the needs of, of your community and your and your users and customers. Is is the economy changing? Who's coming to the library? Well, anecdotally, in the library industry, uh, the story is that in in difficult economic times, uh, public library use increases across the board. I haven't ever seen any statistical evidence to prove that, but it certainly seems as though we're busier. I can tell you right now that this current fiscal year, we are open fewer hours than we were last fiscal year as a result of these fiscal challenges. But I can also tell you that we are significantly busier on an hour open basis, on a per hour open basis. So it seems as though um, more people are coming through our doors uh, than, than previously. And... Um, I'm sorry. I could, could could that be because um, if people, I'm thinking from a use case perspective, if there are people that are looking for jobs or looking for resources, that they're um, they're coming to the library to do that. Certainly, one of the things that the library does all of the time, but more so during these these economic challenging periods, is provide uh, job hunting and resume assistance. That's something that, that that libraries have traditionally always done, and it's something that we continue to do, and we offer. Um, the staff are, are trained to be aware of this and to know how to work with customers who are trying to create resumes, and they're trained to point customers in the direction of various job banks and that kind of thing. We also have databases available on our website that allow people to teach themselves some of the skills that they need to improve their chances of getting jobs. So certainly libraries as a, an engine of economic development is something that, that, um, that has long been known, and it's, it's, it's in the sense of job creation and giving people the skills to, to find jobs, but it's also in the sense of our, our true core service, which is promoting and developing literacy in very young people so they have a better chance of being successful in school and thus moving forward and being successful um, in their professional life later on. So the library really is an engine of economic development, and, and that's been a, a traditional aspect of, of this kind of service during both you know, good and difficult fiscal times. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the, um, the network of libraries in the uh, Stockton-San Joaquin County Public Libraries. How many libraries 
Um, what are the hours? How many staff? Well, right now we have 12 libraries that operate in the county, and we have a bookmobile that travels around the county and provides service in areas that, uh, that aren't near to uh, any specific branch. We are open a total of 363 hours a week right now, about 260 hours a week in the county branches and 103 hours a week in the city branches. And the distinction by, the, by that is uh, the city branches are those that are within the city limits of Stockton and the county or all other branches in, with, in the county regardless of the city where they are. Um, we are getting ready to open up a branch library in the Stribley Community Center, which is on the south side of the city on Sonora Avenue, I believe. And um, it's going to be two rooms in that community center that's going to have about 3,000 books and other kinds of materials, which is uh, roughly equivalent to the size of our Lathrop branch. And that's going to be open 52 hours a week. So, well, the community center is open 52 hours a week, so that, that, that collection will have uh, 52 hours a week worth of access for, the, for that neighborhood, which is a good thing because it's kind of replacing, in a sense, the Fair Oaks Library that had to close in that neighborhood as a result of budget cutbacks in, at the end of the last fiscal year. Uh, we're very excited about that. That's gonna, we're gonna provide programming there. We're gonna provide uh, children's materials. We're gonna provide Wi-Fi access for folks who wanna come by and, and use the internet and you know the full range of adult and teen materials as well. Okay, so how many um, uh, staffed employees, how many paid employees does the library have and, and do you have a read on how many volunteers you have? We have 55 full-time staff that work directly for the library, and I would estimate that um, an average branch volunteer hourly total is somewhere in the vicinity of 15 hours a week. Smaller branches use fewer volunteer hours. Uh, larger branches use more. Um, I was recently at the volunteer appreciation brunch at the Tracy branch, and the, the, the branch staff there was very effusive in their thanks for the volunteers because those folks provide an awful lot of help to us. And I think at the time they calculated that for the previous fiscal year, the volunteers had worked, uh, had contributed hours that, that were worth approximately $150,000 in terms of staff time. So the volunteers really contributed an awful lot and we're so thankful to have them. Are, are you always looking for volunteers or what's, how does that work if somebody's interested in... Um doing volunteer work for the library, and what type of work can volunteers do? Sure, we're always looking for volunteers because they, uh, they really help uh, distribute some of that workload. The primary work that volunteers do in, in this library system uh, is the checking in of materials that have been returned from customers and the, and the reshelving of materials. That's the, the most common kind of thing. But, you know, in some locations, we'll have people who, quote-unquote, volunteer their time by sharing their expertise in a given subject area and provide a program, you know, somebody might be a master gardener, so they'll volunteer to go to a branch and present a program to the community about uh, drought-resistant gardening, for example, or, or something to that effect. Um, but primarily, it's the checking in and the shelving of materials. And then we also get a fair amount of uh, younger people who have some kind of a service requirement for their school, and they can come to the library and, and uh, volunteer some of their time in that regard as well. So if folks want to find out more information about volunteering, uh, should they visit your website, call your office? How does that work? I would say that they should probably just call me directly. Um, is now an appropriate time to give my phone number? <laughs> yeah, sure, and we'll certainly uh, add the information to the website as sure. well. My phone number is 
area code 209-937-8364. Great. So if somebody is volunteering to restock books, do they have to memorize the Dewey Decimal System? Nobody has to memorize the Dewey Decimal System. It's, uh, I certainly don't have it memorized. I mean, I can tell you what the 500s are, but beyond that, um, you just have to look at the spine of the book and see the number and then go find that area on the shelf and figure out where it fits. It's certainly uh, not that complicated. But it's great to get people into the library because uh, it reacquaints them with the library. It, it lets the, and, and as, you're, as you're browsing, as you're, as you're shelving books, you come across stuff uh, in much the same way that a customer browsing does. You, you find stuff that you never even knew existed and that you never knew was there, and you end up walking out with an armful of books. You know, shelving for an hour can be a pretty rewarding experience because you're exposed to, you know, just the the range of human knowledge that we have sitting here on our shelves, just waiting for people to to take advantage of. So it's a it's a lot of fun actually. Okay, so let's go back to the to the hours. So are there are there certain days that every library is open, or are there certain days that every library is closed? Our base schedule is a Tuesday through Saturday schedule across the county. Um, there are some exceptions. There are the cities of Ripon, Tracy, Manteca, and the Mountain House Community Services District. Each of those local governments have provided additional funding so that those branches can be open additional days during the week. Um, so the Mountain House Library is open seven days a week. The Tracy branch is open six days a week. They, aren't, are, they are not open on Fridays. The Manteca branch is open six days a week and they're not open on Sundays. And the Ripon branch is open, um, gosh. They're open five days a week instead of the four that they would have been had Ripon not provided, the city of Ripon had not provided uh, extra hours to us. Yes. Okay, so uh, is there anything exciting going on lately in the uh, Stockton, San Joaquin, County Public Libraries, anything of, of interest that uh, folks should know about to come on down and bring their families? Well, there's a ton of exciting stuff going on. And in, in terms of coming down and bringing your families, I'll talk about programming briefly. You know, a lot of folks, when they think of libraries, it's, it's, it's an empirically proven fact. You know, if you survey people and you ask them what they think of when they think of libraries, they think of books. That's the number one answer. But we do a lot more than books. You know, most people are beginning to understand that libraries not only have books, but we have DVDs and we have music and that kind of thing. We have multimedia offerings, you know, and the latest of the, in those genres. But uh, we also do a lot, you know, some really diverse programming that a lot of people are not aware of. And all of this is, is, is completely free of charge to the customer as they walk through the door. Um, I was just glancing at our programming schedule for the next coming weeks uh, prior to your uh, stopping by the office today. And we've got uh, yoga classes coming up. We have a, a Halo tournament, you know, so for people who are into to network gaming. We've always got story times. We have story times for infants and story times for younger children. We have some origami workshops going on. Um, we have some folks who are doing some regional environmental issue discussions for, for adults who are interested in that kind of thing. Family movie nights. We have book discussions going on all the time. So there's all kinds of things that we provide at the library. And that, and that example I provided earlier about the master gardener, the gardening classes, that kind of thing happens. That, that is offered specifically at our Escalon branch. There are classes for people who want to learn how to use the computer. Um, the folks who are listening to this podcast, probably uh, for them that's not so much an issue, but there's a lot of folks in the, in the community who aren't so familiar with computer, computers, and we do a lot of uh, basic and intermediate computer training for folks. 
So there's all kinds of things happening every day at every branch uh, that are exciting and that are unexpected to a lot of people. But the library is doing a lot of other things that are exciting right now, too. We're in a period where we're really trying to reinvent ourselves. You know, uh, the library has been without a, a library-specific uh, operations manager for some time. Uh, my boss, who is the director of the community services department, has done a great job of kind of riding the ship after a period of a little bit of turbulence that ended a year and a half ago or so. But she brought me in because she knew that she didn't know specifically about uh, library operations. And what the kinds of projects that I've got lined up right now that we're getting ready to start on are going to really do uh, a lot to bring this library uh, forward in a quick manner into the 21st century because we've been a little static over the past several years. Um, some of the things that we're doing right now include um, a, a, a work group that is going to start implementing our strategic plan that was finished a year and a half ago. It's a nice document. It, it provides a good framework for decision making for the future, but it's been sitting there. It hasn't been used. We're going to start implementing this. And in fact, our, our very first meeting with that work group is happening tomorrow morning. Um, we're going to go through a complete website redesign, which I think is something that the library really needs. We have, a, we have a website that is very static. It's a website that reflects 2001 kind of a, a, a web presence. What we're going to go for now is creating what I like to think of as a true digital branch. The intent is to create a website that allows folks who want to visit us through that medium to do everything at, via the internet that branch or that folks can do when they come to the library. They're going to be able to interact with other customers via the different kinds of social networks we use. They're going to be able to read customer written reviews of books in our catalog. They're going to be able to watch videos. They're going to be able to hear podcasts of story times. They're going to be able to also browse our catalog like they normally do. It's going to be a much more uh, dynamic kind of a presence than what we currently have. Uh, what else have we got you know, going on right now? Um, I mentioned the Stribley Library. I'm very excited about that because even though it's, uh, it's simply replacing the library that closed, since it's inside of a community center, it's actually going to increase the number of hours that we, that we offer at a lower cost because it's uh, a shared facility. And it's going to expose a whole new group of users to the library. Those folks who come to the community center to play basketball or to sign up for other kinds of recreation programs, all of a sudden, those folks who haven't been using the library, they're going to have an opportunity to say, wow, I didn't realize you had all this to offer. So that's exciting. And some of the more mundane kinds of things that we're doing, but will but we'll really in, enhance the library on a day-to-day on a -day basis. We're going to improve the self-checks that we have in the library because the ones we have now um, don't work so well. And a lot of folks who go to grocery stores, who go to hardware stores, they're getting used to the self-service kind of a model. And we want to make sure that we offer those same kinds of opportunities here in the library. And again, similar to our website, we want to make sure that these self-service stations provide the same range of uh, transactions that, that one could conduct with a human being in terms of looking at their holds, renewing items, whether or not they have them with them, uh, paying overdue fines if they want to, all, all manner of things. So what we're really trying to do is increase the options for our customers in the ways that they want to interact with us. Um, and, and I think we're making some really exciting steps in that direction. Great. So Chris, we've, uh, Stockton has been on um, its fair share of the wrong end of many lists. One of them comes to mind as I'm sitting in here is, is the, uh, one of the most illiterate cities 
What are your thoughts on that particular list as, a, as our librarian? Well, um, the list you're talking about specifically was one that was created by Central Connecticut State University a while back. I'm familiar with that. And if you look at the methodology that they use to create that list, uh, there's, there's not a lot really to substantiate the claim. They base their rankings on things like the number of newspaper circulations in a given community, the number of independent bookstores, the number of libraries, a variety of factors that, that don't necessarily speak to the actual level of literacy in a community. So, so I don't give a lot of credence to that, to that list. You know, what I see when I visit a lot of the branches around here is I see busy branches. I see staff who are uh, really working very hard to, to meet the demand of, of, a, of a really demanding customer base. We have people who are coming in our doors at incredible, in incredible numbers. Last year, we circulated uh, 1.7 million items in our 13 locations. That's impressive. Um, that said, there's no question um, from, a, from a more accurate statistical measure that San Joaquin County does have issues with literacy. Um, it's, I think it's fair to say that almost one in four adults in this county uh, don't read at a fifth grade level. And that's a sad thing. Um, but that's, that's one of the core services of the library. That's something that I want, uh, that I strongly believe the library needs to uh, address specifically as we develop our strategic plan. The library's core service is developing among the young people in our community a love of reading, a love of books, um, a familiarity with books, even prior to the time that they get into elementary school. So when they do get to elementary school, after have, having spent the last three or four or five years coming to story time, they're already, they have those pre-reading skills strongly in place, and they're ready to just, you know, start running and start learning and be successful in school. And that plays out all the way through school and then into college. So again, as I alluded to earlier, we, we can really work to uh, have a significant impact on the local economic development in our community. Um, that's something that we necessarily haven't put a strong enough an emphasis on uh, in the past, but it's something that is a strong emphasis now. Um, our number one goal in our strategic plan for which we're going to start developing actionable items is uh, to create and empower readers. That's something that the, that the library believes in a lot. And it doesn't only happen, it doesn't only apply to youth, because uh, as I mentioned a moment ago, it's one in four adults in this county who don't read at a very high level. So what the library also does is provide free literacy tutoring to adults. Uh, we have volunteers who come in here who spend a lot of their time teaching other adults how to read. And that's a service that is used a lot. And it's a service that, that uh, is, is so valuable to our community. And those people who come in here and make that transition from not being able to read very well or not being able to read at all, they have a whole world that is opened up to them through the generosity of another volunteer. And the, at the same time, they are, doing, they are acquiring this skill in the most appropriate place. So now that they've developed this skill, they have uh, just hundreds of thousands of, of books that they can just dig into and start really enjoying uh, that aspect of, of, of their life. And it's, it's something that, um, it's a problem here in this county, but it's a problem in other places too. It's something that uh, we, we really want to address, whether or not uh, some study that was done in, in some academic classroom in central Connecticut 
you know whatever they have to say about it. Right. All right. So uh, so now let's 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 turn the table a little bit and talk about you. So um, you know when I think of uh, of Chris Freeman the librarian, I think of somebody that writes a blog and is on Twitter. And mm -hmm. I gotta ask you, Chris, is that normal? Or is your peer group of librarians in cities of, uh, of a quarter million, are they writing blogs and on Twitter or are you, are you groundbreaking at all? <laughs> I'm not groundbreaking. Um, there aren't a lot of folks in this library who, who write their own blogs that I'm aware of. But across the country, there's a, there's a pretty well-established group of, of folks, both in the public and in the academic realm of librarianship, who are blogging. Um, librarians are, are some of the most up-to-date folks on uh, social networking, on what some people have called Web 2.0, that, that, even though that's now becoming a kind of a dated term. Um, but it, it's not at all uncommon on a national level. Um, and, and in fact, there are people who are far more accomplished and far more well-known than I uh, in, in, within the library industry in, in doing that. But um, I, th I think it's, it, it's really valuable. For one thing, I'm just kind of a reflective person, and I like to put my, my thoughts, uh, I almost said my thoughts to paper, but I'm putting them to, to screen, I guess, more than to paper. But um, I enjoy doing that, and, and the opportunity for other people to, to, to read that and, and see what I'm about is great. And it's also a good tool for me to communicate with the folks that I work with also, you know, because I don't get to see everybody that I work with on a regular basis because some of them are in Escalon and some of them are in Mountain House and some of them are in Thornton and Linden. So they're pretty, they're pretty dispersed across the county. And, and so by my reflecting on what I'm thinking about in terms of programs for the library or more philosophical concepts about the library as an institution in general, I get to, I get to have these conversations, though they're kind of one-sided with the people that I work with, but at least they know what I'm thinking about. And in terms of Twitter and Facebook, I think those, those are things that I use a lot on a, on a regular basis for personal, you know, in my personal life. But I think they're great tools uh, for library outreach as well because the community is using Twitter and the community is using Facebook. Not all of those people are coming into the library, but the more you, you uh, insert yourself into those online communities, the more that you're able to interact with other people. And you don't want to do it as the library, because then you just sound like you're selling the library. What you want to do is interact with that online community as a person. And this person just happens to work at the library, and, and he might hear you say something uh, in, your, in your Twitter stream. You know, you might mention something that, that I can relate to, and I can say, uh, I can tr then relate that back to the library and make people aware of what we have to offer, and that happens on a regular basis. And, and it's more authentic that way than than just uh, traditional PR by you know printing flyers or sending out mass emails or that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And um, and you meet a lot of really interesting people in that in that venue as well. In fact, I probably wouldn't be sitting here having this conversation with you were I not uh, trying to interact with the the online community via Twitter. Right. Great. So I, I can't I can't sit here with a librarian without asking probably what I would consider the most obvious question, Chris. Do you have a favorite book? I do have a favorite book. Um, I guess I would say my favorite book is uh, a book called The Grass Harp by Truman Capote. Uh, you know, Truman Capote is certainly most well known for uh, In Cold Blood, which was groundbreaking 
you know, in terms of the, the genre that it created, kind of a, a, a fictional, fictional documentary, but um, I think that's probably his, 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 worst, <laughs> his worst book, in my opinion. The Grass Harp is, uh, is great. The, the Truman Capote is, is very, very lyrical. His prose is beautiful, um, but he also tells some really uh, great, heartwarming, but also kind of dark stories. You know, at Southern Gothic, the genre is, is a kind of a strange one that a lot of people haven't dug into who live in this part of the country. Um, but it's great stuff. But, you know, I, I read a ton of my, my, my reading habits are primarily in science fiction and horror. I like those a lot, even though, you know, that might shock some people who think librarians only want to read Jane Eyre or something like that. Um, but, you know, right now I just started, I've just finished the first two chapters of Lonesome Dove. I've never read a Western before, but somebody, I've never read a Western, but somebody told me that it's a really great book. And I've, I have to tell you, it, that book has just completely sucked me in. I'm looking forward to going home tonight and reading, uh, you know, another 50 or 100 pages of it. So I think it's important to, to spread out and try, you know, try new genres. I, I don't know how soon I'll jump into... Um, a Judith Michael romance or anything like that. But, you know, I probably should. You know, I, I shouldn't say that in a, in a sarcastic manner. And that's, you know, another thing that I think a city librarian has a, almost an obligation to do and, and that I haven't found enough time to do myself here yet, but I need to because it's important. And that's just being an, an advocate for reading. And, and whether it's reading a print book or an e-book or an audio book, you know, I think they're all the same thing. Um, one is a more active activity than the other, perhaps, but you get the same experience from them. You experience the actual words that the author put down as they're telling their story. And, and here in, in Stockton, I had my first opportunity to, I guess you could say, facilitate a book club. I had never done that before, and it was for the recently uh, completed The Big Read that we did, and we read The Call of the Wild. And I was invited to lead a book discussion about that, and I had never done that before, and I have to tell you, that was such a good time. Um, just people came there, they had all read the book, they all had interesting and, and a real varied take on the on the novel, and we had some real kind of surface level discussions about the book, but then we, we through talking to one another, really kind of found ourselves just finding some, some underlying meanings um, that none of us had necessarily considered before, but through the conversation, we, we really uh, came to discover something else about the book, and that was a great experience. So I, I think, you know, one of the things that, that I like to do, and one of the things I've started to blog a little bit about more since I've been here are, I guess you could call them book reviews, just, you know, little snippets about some of the stuff that I'm reading right now. And I, I think in my position that's something that, uh, that, that I ought to do, and it's something that, that I enjoy doing. Great. Okay, Chris, so you live in Sacramento, but you've had an opportunity for the last five months to work in the city of Stockton. Has there been any, has there been any surprises about the, the city of Stockton or things that you didn't realize until working here for the last five months? Certainly there have been, you know, and this is something that you touched on a little bit earlier when you were talking about the various worst of lists that, that Stockton has appeared on over the past couple of years. And, and in researching this area, as a potential place of employment, you know, I came across all of those things, and I tended to believe them as an outsider. But I've come here, and I and I've found that you know this is a really vibrant city, and I work with uh, a lot of people here at the library who are lifelong Stocktonians, 
And what, one of the things that kind of blows me away is that uh, for a city of this size, it seems like everybody knows everybody. This is a city that has a very small town feel to it for a city of a quarter of a million people. Um, that's not something I expected. And, and truth be known, that whole least literate kind of a thing, I, I bought into it a little bit. And I come here now and I, and I see how, how uh, inaccurate that really is. And that's a very pleasant surprise. And the other thing I've, I've discovered, not necessarily a surprise, but that there's just some, uh, some really good restaurants around here. I, I, I love to eat, and there's some, there's some, great, some great restaurants in town. So do you have some, uh, so what are some of your favorite restaurants in town? Um, well, I, man, I love that chicken sandwich at Manny's right up the street uh, on the, on the, on the Miracle Mile. Mile. That's, a, that's a great place. Also over there, um, the sushi place, Kokoro, is great. And I think probably my favorite is Mi Ranchito, which is a Mexican place uh, on center just south of uh, the Crosstown Highway. Awesome Mexican food. Yeah, great. Well, uh, Chris, thanks a lot for, uh, for coming on the podcast, talking and for folks that want to learn more, uh, give us your website address um, for the library as well as your, your blog and your, your Twitter handle. Uh, yeah, well, thank you very, very much, Matt, for, for taking the time to have an interest in the library. Um, our, the library's website is www.stockton.lib.ca.us, and you can visit my personal blog, at uh, civillibrarian.com, www.civillibrarian.com. Um, that's also my Twitter username and my Facebook username, Civil Librarian. And if you want to follow the library either on Twitter and or on Facebook, our username there is SSJCPL. Great. Thanks, Chris. Thank you very much, Matt. I'd like to thank you for listening to Podcast Stockton. I want to thank Chris Freeman from the Stockton San Joaquin Public Library. You can follow him at civillibrarian.com or stockton.lib.ca.us for the library. And uh, we're always interested in uh, hearing listener comments and feedback. As always, you can call us 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, and leave us a message at 209-565-3229 or send them to mail at podcaststockton.com. Follow us on YouTube and Facebook, username Podcast Stockton. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter, username Podcast Stockton. You can also follow me on Twitter quite a bit, and it's rather entertaining. Chris underscore the underscore Greek, or you can follow me on Facebook as well, facebook.com slash Chris the Greek. And unlike Dallas Braden, I will do a lot of talking in the 209. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Make it great, Stockton. <laughs> calling out Dallas Braden. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I do do a lot of talking in the 209. What? <laughs> <laughs> wow. That came from nowhere. I <laughs> uh, just, I think it's awesome. He, uh, he hangs out in the athletic department a lot over at Pacific. So people always got great <laughs> stories about, uh, about Dallas Braden. Maybe we should put you in Lowell Tuckerman's Dallas Braden update. <laughs> put, put you in there. Unlike Dallas Braden. <laughs> Uh, what can I say? He's a man, the myth, the legend. <laughs>